Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Thank you very much, Mr. Announcer Man, and welcome to the Two Guys in a Mic Show, TalkZone.com, sports and more on the docket as we do each and every day, Monday through Friday, five days a week, one hour a day, five in Toto. It's the coach of the big dog at your service. Beautiful, beautiful summer day here in the city of Chicago, made that much more beautiful by the music. The Dorset, the Dorset, the, uh, what's the word I'm thinking? The Dorset. The dulcet tones of the music of the talk zone.com. Oh, outstanding. David Olson, our producer, on the other side of the window. Pain, or as sometimes we call him the pain. On the other side of the window, let's bring in a man who uh, has dulcet tones. Fortunately, he doesn't sing, but we hear his dulcet tones break down and analyze the world of sports and uh, other venues as well. The Big Dog, Joe Rodwanski, joining me. Big Dog, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing absolutely fine, Coach. And, and if you want me to, I will sing. Well, no, there's no particular request. We we're very satisfied with your dulcet tones breaking down sports and uh, you know analyzing pitchers, as Ron Santo used to do. Are you sure? Because I can do a, a stunning rendition of Ave, Ave Maria. <laughs> well, if you really twist my arm and you really feel like, you know, in the mood, feel free at any point during the show, Big Doug. I give you um, open apparatus to break out in song at any time you feel like, okay? How about I'll do it during the show tomorrow when I won't actually be on air? Ah! That would probably be much better for everybody listening to the program. You are missing tomorrow's show. Yes, I am. I have some stuff that I have to take care of, including Social Security matters, uh, helping somebody <laughs> find an apartment, and uh-huh. also going to my first Cub game of this particular season. Oh, nice. Hold on one second. Very, very nice. Shocking, oh, appalling, and somewhat entertaining. The Big Dog will not be in tomorrow, so we got to take full advantage of him while we got him today, and certainly plenty to talk about Cubs uh Going to the game tomorrow, kind of an interesting doubleheader on a Tuesday. Kind of weird. I'm not sure how the schedule set that. Even weirder was the fact that they played yesterday. And actually, Big Dog, you still with us? Yeah. I think I can safely say Cubs sweep, Cubs sweep, Cubs sweep. A one-game mini-sweep. The Cubs beat Colorado. You you didn't read my tweets yesterday. That was the first thing I tweeted immediately. A mini-sweep. Yes, I, I didn't call it a mini-sweep. I just said Cubs complete one-game sweep versus <laughs> the Rockets. Hey, we'll take any positives we can get. Yeah, yeah. What a good setup by Major League Baseball was. You know, they uh, for the Colorado Rockies. If you think about it, because the Cubs, you know, they had a game rained out early in the year. They had to make it up, and it just so happened that the Cubs and Rockies have an off day, mm-hmm. while the Cubs are town to face the Giants, who have to make up uh, another rain swept game and have to do a double header. Uh, you know, at Wrigley Field, and then the and the Rockies just happen to be playing the White Sox. So how easy is you know what I mean? normally all these teams they have to travel across the country to play mm-hmm. one game. You got to feel so sorry for these guys to get paid a hundred thousand dollars a ball game to have to fly across the country. I feel real bad for them. Well, but, you know. Wait a minute. Now, I think there's one thing wrong with your theory. What's that? I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. The White Sox are playing at Colorado. 
Oh, really? Yes. So that's. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's why I almost was going to take the the opposite approach and ask Major League Baseball. Now, I could be wrong. Both teams home? I don't think so. I, I, yeah, it's very rare. Yeah. It happens like about eight to ten days a year that the Cubs and White Sox are at home at the same time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're probably you're probably right, coach. Yeah. All right. So the uh, White. Yeah. So so opposite almost of what you're saying. It's kind of odd that they made Colorado come in for a one day stay. Maybe uh, maybe taste of Chicago was a good. You know, like the guys came in, probably hit the taste after the game, and then they head out and um, host the Chicago White Sox for three games. Life could be worse. Yeah. Well, no reason to feel sorry for the Colorado Rocky. Oh no, I no, I wasn't. That was exactly my point. Is I don't feel bad for any professional athlete. You know, because when I heard these people, oh, could you believe the Marlins and the Mariners had to fly all the way across the country when the Pro Player Stadium wasn't available for them? Yeah, I feel so bad for those guys flying first class, uh, yep. getting fed all that money, and oh, they had to deal with a five-hour plane trip. Mm-hmm. That's really difficult, guys. Yeah. Meanwhile, some guys work in construction for uh, fifteen bucks an hour, nine hours a day in the heat with maybe one or two breaks all day. Yeah, no doubt. And, yeah. Yeah, and that's in Florida. Yeah. Nobody talks about him getting tired. So, uh, yeah, no doubt. Let's make sure if we're going to use up our feel sorry for time, make sure we use it up for the proper people. No question about it. Pro athletes, I don't think, are on the top of that list. Big dog and the coach, you don't need to feel sorry for us unless you check with us every time the quarterly uh, Arbitron ratings come out, but that's a whole other story. Dog and the coach at your service. You want to phone in, you want to dial in, talk some sports and uh, uh, agree, disagree, or anywhere in the vast in-between, you can do it at 888-463-6748. we got a very sad obituary to talk about, Big Dog. I don't know if you saw this or not, but one of the yeah, great sad. stars of NCAA college basketball history, Lorenzo Charles, tragically killed uh, driving a bus, correct? Yeah, he, he was. Uh, he's a bus driver now, and uh, he, he was uh, alone, like, bringing the bus to the place that it was going to travel to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't know much about him, but, like, right when I heard his name, I'm like, oh, that's too bad. And then you start hearing his friends talk about him, Coach. Yep. I mean, that was really the sad part. What a, I mean, what a really good guy he was. Mm-hmm. Played for North Carolina State, and even if you're young and you didn't see the game live, you've seen the highlights if you're a sports fan. He's that guy, Big Dog. He is that guy at the end of the game that took the air ball and slam dunked at home to win a national championship over highly favored. That was against Fijama Slammer, right? Oh, that was Fijama Slammer, Coach. That is that is the best NCAA team to not win a, a championship. Yeah, I would agree with that. The Houston Cougar. <laughs> that whole team, Larry Mishaw. Ooh, Larry Mishaw. I forgot uh, about him. him. Yeah. Remember, remember Benny Anders? Oh, man. Benny Anders. He was like the super six man. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. I forgot the name of the white guy that used to hit all the open jump shots. All the I remember they had Michael Graham was their power forward. They had like three Michael Grahams on the team. Michael Michael Graham was the Georgetown kid who the next year dominated no. in the championship No, game. I don't know. I think five. No, no, no. I'm positive Michael Graham played on Georgetown, and he killed Houston in the, well, the championship game the next season. I'm not denying that, but didn't Fijama Slamma have their own Michael Graham? I don't, I don't know if they did. I do know they had a... And Akeem Elijah, not a Hakeem Elijah one. That was before the eight. <laughs> and they had uh, they had a guy by the name of Clyde Drexler that was pretty good. Oh yes, who could forget him? Yeah, so that was yeah. uh, that was a pretty good team. I'll find out if they had a Michael Grant. Okay, I, yeah, I could have sworn I remember a you know like a six eight six nine. He was like the third best player, bald headed power forward. Yeah, that's Michael Graham of Georgetown. Okay, he described him perfectly. Okay, he killed Houston the next season. Okay. Well, you know, in sports, there's an old saying: you can never have too many Michael Grams, and you can never have too many six foot eight inch bald guys either, or or six foot one bald guys either, coach.
<laughs> oh, the Michael Graham on Georgetown was six one. Well, no, I was. I'm six one. Oh, okay. There you go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't get that connection. Uh, <laughs> but very, very sad story. And uh, uh, Lorenzo Charles passing away. And again, he was a college star. And I think he had just visited North Carolina State and talked to the players during their summer camp. So, uh, boy, tough for the. For, I'm sure for everybody in the uh, NC State family. Yeah, I mean, he really is a loved guy, Coach. I yep. mean, the, the Derek Wittenberg quote about him was just awesome. And then everybody else that I've heard talk about him, I mean, it's, you know, people talk highly about people when they pass away. Mm-hmm. And I make it a point to not talk highly about people that I don't respect. So when I do, when someone does pass away that I truly deserves it, that, you know, it doesn't, it's not like I'm talking out my backside. You know what I mean? But I don't know enough about him, but it was pretty cool to hear, hear all his friends talk about how much he'll be missed. Mm-hmm. All right, and I think he was uh, still fairly young, right? Like forty-seven years old. Well, yeah, he's forty-seven. Yeah. That was nineteen eighty-two. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's, that's right about the exact age you're supposed to be right now. So. That qualifies as way too young. And of course, their uh, wonderful coach, who we saw running around on the court looking for someone to hug, Jimmy Valvano, tragically passed away. I think the age of forty-two, and uh, you know he had uh, cancer of the back. I think, right? Was he that young, coach? Are you sure? No, he wasn't like fifty-two. Could be. He died in like 94, 95. He was a young guy. Yeah, but he died in 94, okay. 95. Okay. Because he gave that speech in 93. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he died about a year, a year and a half afterward. Okay. Okay, so that that was, if he died at 42 and he died in just say 94, yep. that means he was 30 years old when he won the NCAA tournament. So Good point. He was young, but I don't think he was that young, although he was pretty young. Uh, he started out coaching in Iona. How about a little North Carolina State trivia? Derek Wittenberg, he's... Uh, their all-star guard who shot up the air ball, who was his partner in the backcourt, who became a Division One head coach. Oh, this is going to drive me crazy. But uh, I know that was before Vinny Del Negro and Spud Webb got to NC State in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. So I, I, when you tell me the name, I'm going to be like, yeah, I remember who yeah. was the coach. Derek Wittenberg and Sidney Lowe in the backcourt. Yeah, I should have remembered Sidney yep. Lowe. That yep. was yeah, he was a quality, quality college basketball player. Yep. That's what that whole team was—a bunch of guys that were just good college basketball yeah, players. Neither yeah. one of them were like first-team All-Americans, but no. they had great chemistry, led by a very charismatic coach in Jimmy V. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're like they're like second-team All-ACC type players. Yes, what those guys would be. Yeah, no question about it. Also on the docket for the day, Big Dog. Uh, if you're a regular listener to the two guys in a mic show, and if you are. Uh, a, we appreciate you, and B, uh, we sympathize with you, because it's not easy being a regular listener to this show as we dilapidate over different topics, Big Dog. But we jump off the sports page on a regular basis. We need to do it early in the show, because here in the city of Chicago, from a political-slash-legal front, yesterday was a big day. And uh, once again, the star of the show, even though he's in the background, one of our, I think you would list him as a top-five favorite guy and I would, too, United States States Attorney Pat Fitzgerald, as Rob Blagojevich, Mr. Bl- uh, Radwanski, was found guilty. Oh, uh, what a day it was for uh, for Chicagoans. Now, I was talking with my roommates about it yesterday. The sad thing is, is the guy who probably replaces Blagojevich is going to be just as corrupt as Blagojevich, but at least we've got two governors in a row for being corrupt. Mm-hmm. And maybe, the, maybe, hopefully, we'll have a message sent to people that run our government, that make our laws, that decide where our money goes that you can't be corrupt yeah. and if you do you know everyone's like you do don't you think seven years was a little too long like i was because that's what they're they're saying that at the bare minimum yep. coach he's going to get seven years seven that's, to I mean, ten that's years what that's what he'll serve 
coach is what I'm talking. That's what I should say. Not what he'll get sentenced. Mm-hmm. He'll be in jail for at least seven years at the bare minimum. Significant. Okay? That's that's a lot of time. But you know, at the time, I was like, and then I went into my stuff. He should be hung. He's a traitor to the United States. And then I would. You should. The argument last night was phenomenal. It was like fireworks in here. So it's a, he's already been punished. He has to tell his children. Yeah, he has to tell his children that he was wrong and that they shouldn't do this because if they do, they might be in jail one day too. And the whole Patty Blagojevich crying about it. I just can hear her on the tape. If you f him, that guy's gonna burn. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, I'm crying. I have to raise my daughters alone. Well, maybe you shouldn't have been a part of this either. Why isn't she going to jail? She knew everything that was going down. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this whole thing. She's trying to act like she's innocent now. My poor children. You know, your poor children, because they had nothing to do with this. And you're right about that. Your poor children. The problem is you're the reason why we're saying your poor children. Two most powerful things that happened, I think, uh, at that trial. And again, uh, if you're uh, not in the Chicago area, it's, it's become a national story. But the fine governor of the state of Illinois who was arrested like in a, out of his house in there, 6 o'clock in the morning about a year and a half ago was convicted, will serve jail time, 17 out of 20 counts, as most of us thought. He would be, but you never know with the jury. But I thought, uh, A, when the lawyer opened up the prosecution after the defense had done their work and said uh, the first question they asked Blagojevich when they got a shot at him was, uh, uh, Mr. Blagojevich, you are a convicted liar, are you not? Which, remember in the last trial? That was the one thing they convicted him. So that was the first question they asked. That set the tone. Beautiful. Beautiful first question, and he had to ask it honestly because he was a convicted liar in court. That said it beautifully. And then B, I think in the closing statements when the lawyers brought up the fact to the jury, and they looked right at the jury, and they said, hey, don't listen to what he's saying after the fact. Go by what he was saying at the time. The tapes tell the story. And as you know, Rob Blagojevich, he can, you know, once he gets going with his charisma and his uh, ability to chatter, if you will, he can win over some people, but they made the point. Don't go by what explanation he has now. Go by what you heard at the time when it was happening. The tapes tell the story. Powerful. Did, did you happen to see any of the interviews of the jurors? Uh, a little bit. Okay. Did you see the – okay, I, to be quite honest with you, Coach, I've listened to jurors before, and I'm just like, wow, they actually had these people deciding somebody's fate? Yeah. These jurors yeah, okay. were solid. Yeah, these these eleven women, one one man. Yep. I, didn't, I didn't hear the guy talk. I heard about four or five of the women talk. All of them, I was just like, wow, that's the type of person I'd want deciding my fate. I yep. mean, they seem to really have an open mind. Mm-hmm. And one woman, I thought, put it great. She was like, I was listening to Blagojevich talk, and I I thought to myself, wow, this guy's really likable and charming. And then I remembered he's on trial. <laughs> and, and we're deciding whether or not he did all these things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, that was a great thing for the. For the prosecutor to start out with, the, hey, that's for, I want to remind everybody, this guy's extremely charming. Mm-hmm. So, it's true. Eleven females on the jersey uh, on the jury, only one male. A lot of people thought that was a mistake. You know, a little sexist comment. The females are going to be a little bit more understanding of Blagojevich, the family, and everything like that. But no, this you're right. This jury appeared to be very well selected without being too insulting to other juries. Big deal. They appeared to be... Can I use the word intelligent? Um, from the four or five people I heard speak, Coach, you can definitely use that mm-hmm. terminology. And I will tell you, I've, I've heard jurors speak before, and I was just like, thank goodness I wasn't on a murder trial with that person. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. And again, the, the star of the show, and David Olson, I know you're a big fan of him too, the United States Attorney, and I like the way he you know, stays back 
in the limelight. He doesn't spike the football. He doesn't high-five his teammates. He doesn't point. But, boy, you know, he just goes. If you're doing something wrong, he goes out there and he gets you. It's like the old White Owl commercial. Remember the cigar commercial? We're going to get you. He points at the screen. Oh, yeah. We're going to get you. Pat Fitzgerald, he's outstanding. It's it's, it's funny that you say that, Coach, because he absolutely was then, and he absolutely has been in every other situation that he's been prosecuting people or investigating people, exactly like you said, Mm -hmm. except for when they went into his house and arrested him. He spiked the touch. He spiked the football that morning. You you remember? We're going to get him on this. We're going to get him on this. We can't let you know governors try to abuse power. Mm-hmm. He was right, but he was kind of gloating. Do you, do you yeah, that yeah I, I remember he's yeah. when they originally arrested him. Yes, he came out pretty strong. I forget uh-huh. the term, but you're right. It wasn't just your normal arrest. It's like uh, after listening to the tapes and the investig, you know, and all the the facts and everything was like a travesty of injustice yeah, in a number exactly. of areas. Yeah, he, conv- he convicted him, like, as yep. a, um, which I, I have no problem with. But other than that, he's always been exactly what you said, Coach. Mm-hmm. Laid back, yep. subdued, and, you know, like, let, yeah. uh, let, 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 let the facts come out. And let that be a lesson to all the young kids out there and the middle-aged folks like yourself, Big Dog, and some of the senior citizens out there who uh, are way too willing to accept what is the norm? Oh, that's the way politics always is. That's the way they're going to be. You know, and why fight it? Because that's, that's just the way the system is. Well, if you have that attitude, you know, all that evil requires is for good people to do nothing. Well, Pat Fitzgerald is the very essence of, no, we're not going to accept that. That, that may be the way it is, but it's not the way it's going to be. We can't get everybody, but we're going to find people who are doing wrong, and we're going to get him, uh, get them action and, and an unwillingness to accept the negative status quo. Big Dog, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I couldn't put it any better, Coach, than what, how you just put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so sick and sick and tired of elected officials abusing power yep. and basically creating this unre- this horrible economy yep. and this horrible situation that we're in as a as a government not being able to pay back our loans. Maybe we'd be able to pay back our loans if so many people in the government weren't giving billions and or hundreds of billions of dollars off to their friends that got them elected. Mm-hmm. And and if you don't think that's what's going on, people, you really need to wake up your mind, or, or your eyes. Look at how the money is being spent in the war in Afghanistan. Not just now under the current administration, where it's even worse than it was over the previous one, but the previous one put us there. And the type of contracts that were given out to the unbelievable coach, you could pay a, a soldier $50,000 a year to wash clothes, but instead they give uh, they give a half a million dollars to, uh, uh, what do you call it? Who's the, who's the, what the, the company that Cheney owns? Oh, yeah, Halliburton. Halliburton. They're, they pay Halliburton half a million dollars. Yeah. Who, who then Halliburton then takes four hundred thousand dollars away and puts it away, and then they pay somebody a hundred thousand dollars a year to go wash clothes in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Why don't they just pay a soldier fifty grand to do it? Instead, they spend half a million dollars. You know, why don't people wake up? Americans wake up. This stuff is—it's a travesty. How much of this is going on, Coach? Any of our uh, conservative brethren out there, or uh, people want to disagree and/or agree with the uh, vehemently upset Joe Radwanski? Give us a call eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. I agree with you, Big Doug. I feel you. On your conservative and your liberal stuff. All, yeah, you're right. You're right. I take that back. Well, oh yeah. Oh, if you're, the conservatives yep. are for before the war and for the bankruptcy yep. arm of yep. America. I don't think so. Uh, conservatives are for less government. You are you are correct. I take that back when it comes to corruption and politics. That you don't have to be conservative 
or Republican or a conservative or liberal. You just have to be a, an American with some morals. Yes. Yeah, to be upset with that. And uh, I'll tell you who right now, and another ruling came down yesterday, right now, the second most powerful guy in the United States. Who do you think I'm going to say? Barack is number one. I think this guy is a solid number two for in, for actual influence on American policy. That's, that's an awful tough question, Coach. It's not that tough if you think about it. Think about our three branches. Okay, well. Who... Who is the most powerful guy in the judicial branch right now? In the judicial branch? Yes. Well, I guess it would be the Supreme Court justice. Which one? I don't know which one. It's not the chief. Because basically right now in almost every significant ruling, and there was another one yesterday on the political campaigning and political contributions, but basically you got four conservative judges led by Clarence Thomas and uh, the most very unlikable Samuel Alito. Oh, boy, here it goes again. I just saw the kiss from uh, Jan Vesely and the girl at the uh, NBA draft. They showed the replay to Big, big Dog. She's a good-looking girl. I know that. And that kiss was not your normal kiss. I just got totally thrown off my concentration point. She's not that pretty. Oh, yes, she is. <laughs> it was the kiss, too. All right, don't get me on started. And on the other side of it, you've got the liberal judge, uh, justices, some of the new ones like uh, – Sonia Sotomayor, but basically there's four that vote one way, four that vote the other way. The second most influential guy in the country right now as far as policy and real difference in our lives, this guy Anthony Kennedy, who's the middle-of-the-road justice. Right? When they talked about what were the recent ones, like the California uh, uh, releasing so many prison inmates from the California State Prison because it was... You know, overcrowding. Anthony Kennedy sided with the liberals. Yesterday, there was there was a ruling based on the uh, campaign financing, which, of course, the conservatives want to put no limits on it so that, you know, big business can back their fellow Republican guy. Anthony Kennedy sided with the conservatives. Coach, the way you just say this outrageous stuff, big businesses contribute just as much money to Democratic leaders, too. And Democratic people pass stuff for big business and they say, oh, we're doing it for the little guy. Mm-hmm. When the same people got him elected. So why Dow Corning and all these other companies don't give as much contra- political contributions right. to Democrats as they do Republicans. You need to wake up over this. Then I am very woken up over this. But answer me this, Buffalo Breath. Then why do the four liberal justices and why do most of the liberal politicians, including Barack Obama, who fired at Samuel Alita in a State of the Union address, why are they so adamant against voting against the campaign or uh, voting for limiting campaign financing? And why are the conservatives and why do those four justices so much badly want no? Uh, I, can't, I can't explain that whatsoever, right. considering that big business gave more money to Barack Obama in the last election than any other president ever received? Well, I really can't answer that question. Okay, that may be. Maybe we're smart enough, the liberals. Maybe we're smart enough to realize that's wrong. And that's not in the benefit for the American people. Not in their best interest. So let's limit the damn campaign financing. Put a limit to everything. But no, John Roberts, the Chief Justice, Samuel Alito and company shot that down. And it was a ruling Barack Obama felt strong about. He fired at Alito in the middle of the State of the Union address, which was bad protocol, but I appreciated it. Okay, I didn't actually watch the State of the Union address. Uh, I usually try to, but I didn't get a chance to this year. Yeah. Well, no, it was two years ago. This was I, think, I don't think it was no, this year. I thought you talked about the most recent one. Yeah, Samuel Alito, by the way, definitely in the top five guys who needs to switch from briefs to boxers. I what? might be in that list, too, to be quite honest with you. Things are, well, I thought you were a long-time boxer brief guy. 
Yeah, but I don't know if I have the same oomph I did a year ago, to be quite honest. <laughs> I need more of a – I need a little bit of, like, uh, romance. You know what I mean, Coach? Okay. So. Okay. I, I thought maybe you were implying that with age, the body starts to change and you need a little bit more uh, wiggle room, if you will. No, I, I don't think I'm – that isn't the issue for me at the moment. <laughs> Oh, goodness. I think the show is taking an ugly turn. 888 At any rate, Big Dog, another another governor of the state of Illinois headed for prison. Kind of sad. I don't think it's sad. Yeah, I do. It's sad that we have to do this. It's not sad he's going to prison. That's a criminal who's getting what he deserves. Mm-hmm. Okay. The fact that how many governors before him have gotten away with outrageous stuff? Well, we know, we know Ryan didn't. But and how many in the future are going to get away with it? That that's the only thing I'm concerned about. If you if you get elected and abuse your power, I, I, you really don't want to hear what I hope happens to them in prison, Coach. Mm-hmm. The, to me, they, legitimately, pedophiles, rapists, murderers, and politicians who uh, basically abuse their powers, I think, are the worst crimes in the United States. Honestly, I can't think of anything worse besides those. I, I think they, they're like in the same category. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you're basically raping the American people. Yep. Oh, we're going to do this for you, and we're going to create jobs and blah, blah, blah. And right when you leave, okay, well, you gave me a million dollars to get elected. You own a construction company. Mm-hmm. I'll make sure that uh, we, we come up with some new construction uh-huh. for you. And we'll make sure that you know the exact amount to bid. Yep. In order to get that. At okay. the expense. Thank you very much. At the, don't forget, you know, you're boosting somebody up and yourself, and, and let us not forget, at the expense of somebody else. And, and by the way, if you're a company that that, uh, that bribes people, uh, you should lose everything, too. Mm-hmm. If you're bribing people, I, I, to me, it's not as bad as the actual politician, but it's the secondary yeah. The secondary part. Yeah, and uh, and I will add to your venom, big dog, and say this, and I've said this before, it is not. It is not a crime of spur of the moment where you get angered and you do something horrific spur of the moment. The crime you're talking about, this political corruption type crime, is well thought out. It mm-hmm. takes time. So you are consciously thinking about your own greed and your friend's greed at the expense and the disadvantage of innocent others. It's thought out. It's not spur of the moment. To me, it makes it that much more heinous. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the... The selling in a Senate seat. You know what? Uh, what about these guys that didn't go right to the authorities or to the FBI? Because mm-hmm. think about that. A couple of people were involved in it, but yep. none of them went to the FBI, being like, "Hey, you know, uh, Lagoyevich is trying to sell the seat." You know, think about how many people were involved. Three or four guys were named, right, Coach? Yep. That's it. All these guys knew about it. Well, why didn't any of them come forward? Yeah, including one could say, um, you know, our current governor Pat Quinn who did not like Blagojevich, they separated a lot, but, boy, he never called Blagojevich out directly, did he? No, you're right. You're exactly right, Coach, 100% right. That's why I don't I don't, I don't, don't uh, trust Quinn either. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, Quinn's for the little guy. Yeah, Quinn's going to bankrupt us, okay? Every single thing, oh, we'll, we'll create a tax. We'll create a tax. But, well, forget about that. But besides his, his policies, which I completely disagree with everything he's done so far, but you're exactly right about How could he not know Blagojevich was doing this? And, I mean, he's his right-hand guy. And well, why is he the one that was... No, one answer right-hand. One answer to that could be that the two of them basically separated over time, and I don't think they talked or even saw each other for long periods of time. So that's a potential answer to that. Do you think Blagojevich started this uh, uh, two years ago, all this corruption? I'm, this stuff yeah, going on. It, got, it got worse as it went on. 
when he was a senator, I used to talk about this guy is corrupt. If you remember when we were doing this show, I was, I was like, this guy, I couldn't stand the guy. I was like, this guy is with his lying who, constantly. Who was a senator? Bogoyevich? Yeah, what no, Congressman. Congressman. Congress. he was. Yeah. But he was a big time. He was always in front of the camera. Oh, yeah. All I saw was legitimately hey. a suit with a snake head coming I, out. I so voted for him twice. Phone. David Olson, our political pundit. Yes, David. Everybody knew, everybody in Springfield knew that Blagojevich was bad news. And in the case of Pat Quinn, I mean, from the first term, he kind of separated himself from yeah. him. Uh-huh. But, but. Here's the here's the gray area. Bad news. The point is, should if and should have Pat Quinn at some point gone to the public and said, "Hey, bad things are happening. We got to call this guy out." What did he know? When you say bad news, that can be you know, governing week all the way up to bad corruption. So, at what point, if you're Pat Quinn, do you? Come to whoever the authorities and say, "Hey, the public's being ripped off. We got to get this guy." Uh, here, here's well, here's. Go ahead, David. It's he probably wasn't involved and didn't know exactly what he was up to, but I mean, it was pretty clear that pretty much everybody down in Springfield were separating themselves from Blagojevich, and that was like from the middle of his first term. Yep. Coach and a a governor and a lieutenant governor. It's not like a president and a vice president. They run separately. Mm They run separately. The only thing, I mean, they weren't like a they weren't like a ticket. They were just, didn't they, even he didn't even go down to Springfield, right? He stayed at home for the most part. He yeah. did, yeah. <laughs> go ahead, Big Dog. Now the the reason this is now this is just uh, speculation for me. But the reason why nobody comes out and is, and says something like Bogoyevich did this, this, and this as another politician is because as soon as that happens, you can go that other politician go right to your past and talk about all the other things that you did to get elected. So in in and, and for that to be possible, for a politician to be like, you know, this politician came to this, this proposal is totally corrupt, they would have to be totally clean in order to do it. And considering, to be quite honest, I don't think, maybe at a local level, maybe a mayor, maybe like a, like a, a state legislature can get elected without being totally corrupt. But I hate to tell you, Coach, it takes so much money to get somebody elected that it's almost impossible not to get somebody that just wants power and wants control over other people and are willing to sell it and mm-hmm. do whatever it takes to get elected in order to get somebody elected to a position of, like, mayor of a big city, a senator, or a governor, or even higher than that in, mm-hmm. in the United States. And I know that might break a lot of people's heart. You might think I'm crazy, but that's why people don't come forward, because they've already done enough stuff to, for them to get elected. Big dog, Joel Radwanski, potential, my co-host here, potential political pundit down the road. I'm thinking possibly. Possibly 2012, a Cook County assessor's run for you. Uh, you can't keep me. I can't assess anybody, Coach. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll count that one you out. Got nice legs right there. Heck yeah! Ooh, that guy. Uh, that no, guy no, no, far. that's not the kind of us. Maybe uh, how about that's assistant secretary of state? You got to start somewhere. Okay, well, if I start with the assessor, I'll be like, well, the the Cubs need more pitching. Nah, I don't think that's what the assessor does. Maybe the assistant assessor, but. Uh, Sorry, the, the ASS to the ASS? Yeah, the ass to the ass, the assistant to the assistant. One way or another, we're going to get you to run for something. I'm going to vote. I've written you in the last two elections, I think, for various offices. Yeah, i got to tell you, the corruption comes all the way out here in Aurora because one of my friends was trying, was thinking about doing it. He's a very charismatic guy, very, very well-connected. Mm-hmm. He works his butt off. And they start telling him, well, if you do this, we'll be able to, to do this for you. And by the way, my uncle owns a construction company. 
And in your area where you'd be running, there's a bunch of different areas where you can build parks. We'll, we'll give you a hundred grand to run for this area in Aurora. I'm not kidding, coach. I'm not making this up. This is the truth. Okay. The guy was just going to give him a hundred thousand dollars to run because he knew this guy was going to be able to win. And all he had to do was there's a couple parks in the area and build parks. And that's what my, my buddy is going to have to say. Hey, we're going to build parks. And that's all that had to happen. And everyone's going to say, Hey, he cares about the children. He cares about families having a place to live. When all it would have been is he would have been totally got grief and got all that money back. That, uh, that's all it was all about, coach. You know, it's so funny is when you see he cares about kids, he built parks. Mm-hmm. Well, who did he get money from to build those parks? I mean, that's what people yeah. need to find out. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing that's happening in, uh, in in small towns, big towns, and obviously all the way up to the state and national level. Well, hopefully... Hopefully, little small things like what happened yesterday can um, begin to uh, turn the tide on political corruption. But it's a long, long battle. But you got to keep fighting, big dog. Because if you don't fight, you lose the battle. We know that in both politics and sports. Just to let you know, my friend is now created a business that gets money back from people that have been screwed over by our government. Nice. And he's doing extremely well. Very good. So it's all good. And by the way, he had to grease palms in order to get these names. Just let you know. So at least he's helping the American public. Okay, I'm not kidding, Coach. He had to grease palms in order to get the list of the people that have been screwed over by our government. That's called okay. the end, justifying the means. I, I think so, Coach. To be quite honest with you, I Beautiful. really do. Beautiful. Hey, real quick, while we're uh, on the non-sports topic, we'll get the to sports in just a second. Two guys at a mic. Big Dog and the Coach at your service halfway through this one-hour excursion. But we quickly got to mention Friday's. Uh, Semi, well, not semi-significant, very significant ruling out in New York, the state of New York, big dog, allowing same-sex marriage, a very significant ruling and one that I've fully supported for many years. Yeah, I mean, if somebody is willing to be committed to somebody else the rest of their lives, why should only heterosexuals be faced with that particular challenge? Mm-hmm. Let homosexuals deal with the fact of being stuck with somebody for 80 years. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you know, somebody asked John Rogers or Samuel Alito or some of the rest of them. Yeah, if they're, they, in other words, your point is they should suffer along with the rest of us. Well, I was just joking. I was just trying to take a shot because, you know, I had a bad marriage. <laughs> uh, if somebody, if, I don't care, like the whole thing, I never, trust me, Coach, I have my own convictions and I really believe what I believe in. And I don't want to impose that view on anybody until they impose theirs on me. Oh, you you think I should live my life that way? Well, here you go. Mm-hmm. I, if somebody, if a man wants to marry a man, that's quite all right with me. Like I hear that, but just as long as I don't have to look at it. The only way I would have to look at it is if I went into their bedroom. Okay, so mm-hmm. I, I, when people talk that way, it just cracks me. Stay out of their bedroom if you don't want to see them have sex. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, you know, I've 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 heard this explanation. It sounds almost trite and cliche at this point, but it's very much true. I, I think this. This battle is very similar to, uh, you know, slavery and the fight to get, uh, you know, blacks as full citizens in the United States, as the women's right to vote, as, you know, Roe versus Wade and some of those other. I think it's the same thing. I think it's inevitable that uh, we will see everybody being allowed to get married, doesn't matter what sex it is. And I think 100 years from now, 50 years from now, they're going to look back at the battle going on as silly as we look back on some of those issues back then. No, no. Honestly, Coach, I, I'm not going to agree with you there. I do believe it's an extremely important issue for the American public. And mm-hmm. I do believe these people, and I and, and I do believe it's wrong that they haven't been able to, to get married. But I, but the truth is, like slavery, you lock somebody up. Not giving somebody a right to vote is totally different. The, even though 
even though they didn't have a chance to uh, have a right to get married to homosexual couples, they still had the opportunity to be with each other the rest of their life anyway, yeah. even if you couldn't make it legal. So I, I do see it in the same ballpark, Coach, but I, I see okay. it at a totally different level right, than fair enough, what maybe. the ones you were talking about. Okay, maybe you're right. And significance maybe not the same, but... Um... Because if you, even if you can't get married, if you love somebody, you can be with that person forever if you really yeah. wanted to. And slavery, you, I mean, basically your life was done. Would you agree with me that, A, it is inevitable, that uh, it'll be you know fairly commonplace and that it will be accepted in all 50 states, and, B, that 50 years from now, 75 years from now, your grandkids will be looking back at it similar to we look at, uh, say, the, you know, the women's right to vote issue? I, I would certainly hope so. Like, okay. you know, a, lot of, a lot of people would not certainly like to hope so, by the way. You know, when I hear arguments like, you know, we have to end homosexuality because of my children, I've heard people say that. that was, mm-hmm. That's another dumb thing. No, your, your children need to realize that not everybody is 100% exactly the same. Yes. Okay. And, and, if, and if a child is adopted or brought up by two guys or two women, it does not make them any more likely to be gay. Would that be correct, Dr. Joel Edwanski? You know what? I I don't know, Coach. I would say I don't think so, but I, I don't know. That's, that's a good answer. That's, that's an opinion. Yeah. Okay, I, and I want to say I don't think it would. Okay. That's a good answer. I like that. Human, it was honest, and it was probably correct. We, we don't know for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. Very nicely done. All right. But now can we uh, – happen? Pardon me? What's the worst thing that happened? Like if somebody told me – Hey, Joel, your son grew up and he he became a St. Louis Cardinal. I don't know if I'd be able to deal with it. I mean, you know, Joel, your son's a homosexual. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. He was a St. Louis Cardinal. That I would not be able to stand for, Coach. <laughs> so you're right. So even if uh, worst things have happened in the world, okay? So you're, you're, you're a very tolerant individual, but when it comes to your sports teams, uh, you all of a sudden you get slightly less tolerant if it's a, if it's a rival of your favorite team. Dad, I would like you to meet my boyfriend. His name is Kier. Oh, really? Okay. All right, hi, Kier. Really expect this. And uh, we're going to go see our favorite team, the Packers. What? The Packers? The hell's wrong with you? That's exactly how it would go, something like that. <laughs> 888-463-6748. That's the phone number for the big dog and the coach. Get to some baseball real quick, big dog. we got to talk about some other events going on, uh, including uh, the Women's World Cup, Wimbledon, and uh, college Baseball World Series, great game last night. But first of all, Major League Baseball Cubs did win yesterday. 7-3, to three, got a couple of homers, dog, from Aramis Ramirez and Carlos Pena. For once, their sluggers actually slug. Pena in particular has been hot of late. He's, he's getting really, really hot. And uh, and Aramis Ramirez, like I, I w- I've been begging for it all summer, please get so hot that the Anaheim Angels just have to give up some young pitching for you. Because mm-hmm. the Anaheim Angels have nobody at third base right now, Coach. They got uh, they got Alberto Calaspo at third base. He's got one home run and 17 RBIs on the season. The Angels need Aramis Ramirez. We need to start calling Artie Moreno and make sure <laughs> that he knows how good Aramis Ramirez is and how hot he is right now. And he needs to just give up some pitching right it's now. Almost, give up some pitching. I feel like when I'm talking to you about the Cubs' success and particularly the veterans, and you're probably right from a practical level, but it hurts from an emotional level. I feel like. Uh, you know, it's the ultimate backhanded compliment. You know, oh, great. Carlos Zambrano had a good game. Great. Pena's hitting home run. Now we'll be able to trade him for some young players. Yeah, so, hey, Coach, I'm in it for the rest. I'm a Cup fan the rest of my life. And the way I look at it is I don't want this season to be a waste. 2011 could be a great season for the Chicago Cubs, even if they do win 75 games. It could be 
a better season 10 years from now after we can look back and be like, what, 2011 was finally when the water got thrown in the face of the Cub management and they realized that, you know, you, you don't try to win the World Series every year, especially when you've got a hand that says Jack, Deuce, Seven, and they're all off suit. Okay, mm-hmm. you, you want to try to win the World Series, go after the years you can win the World Series when you actually have a chance to win the World Series. Okay, very uh, logically put, and that, that has been your theory for many, uh, many a year on the, uh, not just the Chicago Cubs, baseball teams in general. By the way, I want to get on record, uh, and I had been on record, I just want to make sure it's on record officially. I am a very strong supporter of Mike Quata, the manager, who's taking a lot of heat right now. Oh, he's in over his head. You know, they should have hired Sandberg. The more I watch Mike Quata, the more I like him. He's hands-on. He's practical. I think he's a pretty sharp guy. like the way he handles players. I'm a Mike Quade supporter. I want that on record, Big Dumb. Maybe maybe this isn't a great support question of Mike Quade, but let's just put it this way. Anybody that's watched the Cubs this year, if you think Mike Quade is the problem, quit being a baseball fan because you have no idea what's going on. Mike Quade mm-hmm. is not the problem with this team. Yeah, that's again, and I agree with that. I agree with that. It's a little bit of a backhanded compliment. I'll go so far as to say Mike Quada is a plus okay, for the exactly. Chicago Cubs team. I, I will too, but it's just he's really taken some bashing from the Cub fans that I think have their head up their butt right now. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, find something else to complain about. Yep. Seriously, I mean, he's not the problem. I think he's doing. I'm not saying he's you know Casey Stengel, <laughs> but but. We'll, let's find out if he's uh, a decent manager when he has a team like Lou Pinella had in 08. The last mm-hmm. time Lou Pinella was awake in the dugout for the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> oh, I mean, probably, honestly, after, after Lou Pinella, don't you think yeah. just be like, wow, Claude, he's actually awake. Yes. He tucked his shirt and he shaved. He teaches, he coaches. I love when he goes out to the mound. It's a different meeting than other managers seem to have. It's less, uh, how do I describe it, less formal. And it's more practical. He seems to be like a high school coach teaching the players. I like that. You could just hear, okay, you gotta get, you gotta get your hips through before your hands and let your hands fly through the strike zone. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then it's totally different, like Lou Pinella. Well, okay, you, 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 you take the line and then, and then, uh, yeah. and then you squeeze it after you do the shot of tequila. Yep. You know, I mean, that's, it's totally different what Lou Pinella was teaching these kids as opposed to what Quade is teaching them. Uh, the last, uh, the last year and a half of Lou, the last, um, or I should say the first two thirds of last year, in particular, um, it was pretty much a, uh, a boat ride for the Chicago Cup player. Lou was, Lou was sitting back having a cocktail and just kind of seeing where the ship would sail. I would say about May 1st of 09, the Cubs should have realized yep. and fired Lou Pinella. Yep. That's, I mean, he, that, he, Lou Pinella, two weeks into the 09 season was like, this team is hot garbage, just like the kid from, <laughs> uh, from, uh, the morning break was talking about, and they should, we should blow this up, so. I have won 2,000 games. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that was that was every time that he would get really mad with the press. It was I've won over two thousand major league baseball games. I know what the hell I'm talking about. Well, well you're right, Lou. You won, did in the previous two thousand games. Did you come to the park drunk, unshaven, <laughs> and 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 unshowered? Actually, no, no. Okay, well maybe that's the difference now as opposed to the old Lou Pinot. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing how that can happen. Quickly, let's move over to the Chicago White Sox. They take on the uh, Colorado Rockies on the road. Still only three and a half, four and a half out of first place. Big dog Adam. Dunn's problems continue. He struck out four times on Sunday. Gavin Floyd pitching today against Jason Hamill. Ronnie Santo, if you could, most of our listeners and myself do not know a lot about the Rockies pitcher Jason Hamill. Tell us a little bit, Ron Santo. Well, uh, yeah, he's a he's a righty there. Okay. And, uh, he uh, he's got a fastball and off speed pitches. He likes to work quickly. He does. 
Interesting. And, uh, he likes to keep hitters off balance in the ball. Wow. Down. Patrick. Does he like to get ahead in the count? He definitely likes to get ahead in the count. Coach. Very good. Thank you, Ronnie. Thank you very much. Uh, but White Sox, big dog, despite all the problems, you know, they're, they're hanging in there within three and a half, four and a half Detroit Tigers playing better. But overall, things could be worth for the White Sox. Did you see Ozzy and Kenny Williams had a long sit down with Adam Dunn? Oh, I did. I, yep. Shouldn't that sit down happen May 15th? Isn't no. It about six weeks too late. Yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to have too many sit downs. Well, I guess right when he hit a hundred strikeouts. By the way, in the last home game this weekend, I, after one of Adam Dunn's strikeouts, mm-hmm. he walked back to the dugout. And, you know, I, I, I don't like fans booing. I, I, effort and stupidity is one thing. You know, if you if you don't try, you can get booed. But I kind of don't overdo the booing, especially when it's just lack of execution, because you know the guy's trying. Yep. Okay? But while he's going back into the dugout, a four-year-old girl was standing up with both her thumbs down booing Adam Dunn. Coach, yeah, I, that hurts. I, I, I know I should slap the parents. You should... But it was so cute and so funny. I mean, I just couldn't help it. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things where even I know it was wrong. I should be like, the parents should stop it. But it was so freaking funny watching that girl. Boom! And she was standing on her seat right behind the dugout. Four years old. Down. Four years old. That hurts. <laughs> I, you know, I, I disagree with most of the uh, you know sports talk and media people You know, who, uh, I don't know if they encourage the booing, but they accept it. You know, hey, you pay your ticket. You got the right to boo. Well, you do have the right to boo. I'm not going to argue that. Uh-huh. But I will say that I think it makes you look like a complete idiot. Now, now if, if you're an if adult, isn't trying, like, huh? If somebody isn't trying, there've been like like the Hamlin Ramirez incidents of him like booting the ball and then walking after it. Yeah, you boo that. That's what you boo. You don't boo a guy that goes over forward to strike. Because yeah. the last thing he needs is a boo. He needs a pet on the back is what he needs. Yeah, and I'm not saying you have to be happy with the guy, but just the whole concept of a you know 43 year old adult standing up and you know boo. You know it doesn't. Make you look particularly classy or good? No. Kind of makes you look a little foolish. And and, uh, and again, I'm not saying that you have the right to be happy about it. You can be upset, but just booing seems, you know, for a four and a half year old kid, it's funny and it's acceptable. For a 42 year old adult, it's not. And I completely agree with your thought process too. If the guy's not hustling, there's your big reason to be upset. If the guy's trying his hardest and messing up, hey, you're not happy with it, but no reason to boo. But okay, but now that you bring the little girl up, okay, coach, and, and as, like I said, it was it was kind of funny and cute when I saw it. But she was like in a crowd of like fifteen people right behind the White Sox dugout. Mm-hmm. Nobody told her to do it. She just looked around. and was like, oh, this is the acceptable way for a human being to act. Yep. Let's yell at somebody who's having a really hard time about how much work he's making my life because he can't make contact with now, me. Now, just to make sure, she didn't have a beer in her hand and mustard stains on her uh, upper lip, did she? Uh, no, but she did have a tie-dye T-shirt on, Coach, so she was probably a little, you know, ripped up. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, living the dream, big dog, living the dream. <laughs> All right, very quickly, uh, baseball yesterday. Uh, let's forget the baseball round-em-up wrap, but we'll just mention the Dodgers on the day that their owner, or what did he get, finally went to bankruptcy court was, or something yeah, like that? He filed for bankruptcy yeah. to make sure he can – he was thinking this was a last-ditch effort in order to keep the team, but mm-hmm. that basically was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, and the Dodgers, in honor of him, defeated the Minnesota Twins 15 to nothing. By the way, the sixth consecutive loss for your Minnesota Twin. Well, right when we patted him on the back, Coach, we knocked him over. <laughs> it was about a week ago. We're like, wow, yep. the Twins are starting to play like the Piranhas again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> said that. My goodness. I mean, and they're not losing close games. 
they've been getting blown out during this little streak. Not yeah. all of them, but a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. Last well, you, well, you do remember at the start of the year, I was the one that said, hey, and I'm a big Minnesota twin. When I say a fan, I appreciate the way they play baseball. I think Garden Hire is one of the best managers in baseball. Their system is great, et cetera, et cetera. This is not their year. They're going to be, you know, it's just, hey, next year they'll be back. This is one of those years for the Minnesota Twins. If you think about it, in the, either they're currently out or have missed a significant portion of this season already. Their third hitter, who's their catcher, their fourth hitter, who is uh, you know their RBI guy, and Justin Morneau, their fifth hitter, Delman Young, who's a gold glove caliber left fielder. They're all been out for just significant time. Oh, and by the way, their closer, Joe Nathan, who is was a top-notch closer before he blew his elbow. That's your three, four, five hitters and your closer coach. And they all and the, what, the one pitcher who was out for a while, Blackburn. So they, they've had a lot of injuries this year. Mm-hmm. Tough to overcome, no question about it. Uh, real quick, big dog. We got a few minutes left. Let's go over some of the non-baseball stories happening, including as I look up at my screen, our United States women's team is about to, about to uh, take action against North Korea to begin the World Cup. Uh, Abby Wambach and company yesterday, Japan defeated New Zealand two to one. But more importantly, the women's World Cup is off and running, big dog. Uh, you know, one of the great events in the world, soccer, the most popular sport, football, I should say, the most popular sport in the world. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I've been watching the games. You know, that's how I do. I wake up in the morning, watch the little women's, uh, uh, World Cup. It's, yep. it's been pretty impressive so far, the play. Yeah, Japan is your team, right? You, you, uh, did, did you not kind of tune us into the Japan team as a potential dark horse favorite? Precision passing coach. It yeah. was phenomenal watching those little girls run around the, uh, the field. I mean, it was it was precision. So they beat was, New Zealand yesterday two to one. So well, they're not one of the favorites, but it's possible. Yeah, they, I mean, why not? Why not? I mean, Germany almost got upset in their first game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So why couldn't Japan sneak in and and get a victory here? Or there, United States taking on North Korea ten forty five. That would mean uh, right now on ESPN. I got it a tape at home. Big dog, don't tell me the score. I'll be watching about the eight o'clock tonight. Sounds good, Coach. Thank you very much. Also in Wimbledon tennis, we're down to the quarterfinals for the females. Quarterfinal for the guys. On the guys' side, your top three, they're all in it. Uh, Federer, Jakovic, and Rafael Nadal on the women's side. Both Williams sisters knocked off in the round of 16. Big Dog, a bit of a surprise. That was a major surprise, Coach. Uh, But I guess only from the sense of the fact that, you know, they're the Williams sisters. But if you think they... What Serena's been through lately, you know, Venus isn't exactly on the top of her game. So, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest with you, there's only two, like, highly seated girls left or ladies left. And we're talking, I'm not talking about, like, a two or a three. It's like a like a two and a 18 or something like that are the only top 24 girls yeah. left. Yeah, I'm looking at the list right now. It looks like a four and a five. Maria Sharapova, a five seed. Interestingly, by the way, there are four Ovas of the final eight girls. It's Ova. Sharapova? Petra Kvitova, you've also got Dominika Sibukova, and you also have Svetana Piranikova. So four overs of the final eight, and the big dog, you and me both. When it comes to women tennis, we always say bet on the over. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, after hearing all those names, all of a sudden I'm in the mood for some goulash. <laughs> Glad you said goulash. Yeah, well. Thought you were going somewhere else. Uh, 125th, by the way, the 120. Fifth running of one of the great traditions in all the sports. Uh, I don't know how many of those 125 you have seen, Big Dog, but it's uh, certainly one of the great events, probably the greatest in tennis. Yeah, I would have to say it's the greatest in tennis. You yeah. know, a lot of people, uh, 
a lot of French people will get upset, say, no, 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 it is the French Open, you know, but uh, I'm going to have to disagree. And I'm going to go with Wimbledon as the, as mm-hmm. the most important uh, okay. the tournament coach. Uh, Libertyville Larry emailing in very quick, ask uh, uh, Coach, please ask Ron Santa to tell us a little bit about men's quarterfinalist Joe Wilfred Songa. Uh, well, Songa's got good feet, Patrick. <laughs> got really good feet, laterally well, and he, he likes, he really likes to win right off of the ace on the serve, Coach. I'm not love uh, to do that. Uh, Larry did not email him, but I'm going to ask for him. Does he like to get ahead in the count? Absolutely. He, oh, he plays much better tennis when he has the lead, Coach. Okay. Love to play with the lead, Coach. Thank you very much. A little breakdown on Joe Wilfred Songa. I know. Somewhere, somehow, you watched the College World Series last night, Big Dog. I didn't even realize what time it was on. Turned it on, eighth inning game, one-to-one, and boy, did I see four innings of good baseball. Did you watch the game? South Carolina knocking off Florida in a thriller. You you watched a phenomenal game, and I wonder if you took away from like what I took about it. You know, South Carolina just hanging on, Woo. Florida trying to put them away. South Carolina keeps hanging on. Florida can put them away. It looks like Florida's a much better team. And at the end of the game, South Carolina kept making play, kept making play, kept making plays. And all of a sudden, South Carolina in the in the 13th inning steals second. The ball's yeah. in the center fielder. The center fielder tries to get him at third. He throws the ball into the stands. The run scores. Wow. So South Carolina barely got any hits, didn't do much. But all they did was just stick in there and keep executing defensively. And Florida Ooh. couldn't execute offensively. And actually, you know, Florida, a much better team down one nothing in the series. When you say hanging on, I mean, they were literally, <laughs> literally hanging by a thread. I mean, you know, as a cat with nine lives, they're down one nothing in the eighth inning. They scratch a run across to tie it up one to one in the eighth. Bases loaded. Florida's the home team, folks. Yes. One run and they win the game. Bases loaded, nobody out. And they get out of a jam. That's what I call hanging on. And then in the 11th inning, also in extra innings, runner on second, two outs, base hit to the outfield. You think the game's over. Left fielder makes a great throw, went right to him, and the runner was nailed at home. So when you say hanging on, literally, literally they were hanging by a thread and found a way to win. An unbelievable tag by the catcher. Who, who the, the, the player was making a great yep. inside slide to the base, and he was able to dive and get him. And when you talk about the the tenth inning, when it was bases loaded, nobody out, there was a rocket, one hop shot up the middle, and the phenomenal uh, play. The the Wingo kid, who right now is the MVP of the tournament, Wing, yeah, Wingo, who uh, dives, picks it up, fires home, and barely gets the force out at home. Yep. And then the next pitch is hit right to him. He makes another spectacular pickup. Throws home. It's a one-hop play. The catcher scoops it out and throws it the first for a double play. I mean, mm-hmm. that's hanging on, Coach. I mean, you can't. Florida's just like we're hitting nothing but BBs all over the place, and we can't push a run across. Two incredible plays. The first one in particular, and both under the utmost of pressure because one little bobble and the game is over. And not just any game, but we're talking the finals of the College World Series. So best two out of three now. So Florida is not done, but a huge win for South Carolina and Big Dog. They're trying to go back to back, correct? South Carolina is trying to go back-to-back. And and let me uh, reiterate this. Florida is not out of this whatsoever. They're winning game two, Coach. I mean, mean, just flat out, I have the feeling that this team is not going away. We're Mm -hmm. going to get an all-or-nothing game three. I would like to see that. Are they playing tonight, game two? They're playing tonight, Coach. It goes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Beautiful. Beautiful. By the way, you mentioned the play by the catcher. Great. Not a great throw. Very good throw. From the outfielder, and the announcers uh, missed this, Robin Ventura or a Horsheiser. But what they forgot to mention, really the difficult part of that play is, first of all, you got the pressure of the play, 
where if the kid scores, the game is over. And again, finals of the College World Series. The whole crowd is going crazy. The runner's coming at you at full speed, so you got fear of getting hit. The ball's thrown off the line a little bit. The tough part there, Big Dog, is you know you got to make the tag, but you got to get the ball first. So many catchers try to rush the tag. And he did such a good job of securing the ball first and then making the tag. It sounds easy to do, but under that kind of pressure, a lot of players don't. I thought the catcher did a brilliant job there. You described it well, like the way he put the hand in the glove to make sure that ball didn't get knocked out. And you're right, he made sure he caught it. Ball first. Yeah, that, that might sound simple. Oh, of course, he catches the ball. You're how you're right. How often a a guy guarding a base, especially a catcher, swipes the tag before they even have the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, you got you can't tag them if you don't have the ball. Yep. Oh, <laughs> speaking of that, South Carolina got away with one earlier in the week because the guy forgot their their uh, their stud first baseman number thirty six, the guy who saw the home runs. For. Walker is that what? No, no, no. Uh, uh, Tucker, Tucker, or something like that. I Whatever. thought it was like more craft, or I don't right. know what it is. But he got a ground ball hit to him, and there was a real play- quick. Now we got about okay. fifteen seconds. Well, uh, well, Otto, he had a brain cramp, and he didn't. He tagged the guy at first base without the ball, and they called him out, and they, and they ended up getting South Carolina a win. So South Carolina's gotten kind of lucky getting yeah. here. So. Well, they've gotten lucky a lot because they've had some kind of ridiculous win streak in the College World Series. All right, dog, you are off tomorrow, so we'll see you on uh, Thursday. Correct. And you will get an update of my first Cub game of the year. Timmy Lincecum pitching for the Giants. Beautiful. I will not be there, but I'll be there in spirit with you, Big Dog. Just don't sit on my spirit. I won't. (laughs) Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. David Olson, our producer, phenomenal job. We'll do it all over again tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Have a great day, everybody.